Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and I'm joined today by Kiva Schuler, who is here to give us tips for peaceful parenting, which is just what I am needing. Welcome, Kiva. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Before we get started, Kiva, I want to tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Kiva Schuler is the founder of the Jai Institute for Parenting, which has been training parenting coaches globally since 2011. But most importantly, she is mom to Miles and Charlotte, who inspired her journey toward her life's work, which is to change the world by changing how parents parent. Kiva's passion for parenting stemmed from her own childhood experiences of neglect and trauma. Like many of her generation, she had a front row seat to witness what she did not want for her own children. Kiva is a serial entrepreneur and has been the marketer behind many transformational brands. Passionate about bringing authenticity and integrity to marketing and sales, she's a sought after mentor, speaker, and coach. And she is author of the new book, The Peaceful Parenting Revolution, Changing the World by Changing How We Parent. Kiva, I want to start by asking you to help us really understand peaceful parenting. What characterizes this type of parenting and how can we as parents begin to lay this foundation in our homes? Thanks for asking that question because I think that there's often a misconception that peaceful parenting is permissive. And so I like to kind of answer it by saying what it isn't, which is the three Ps. And that's the first one. So peaceful parenting is not permissive parenting. We are not abdicating our responsibility to teach our children values and integrity and to make good decisions based on practice. It's also not punitive. So in order to do that, we're not relying on punishments, uh, enforced consequences, threats, even bribes, sticker charts, any sort of external manipulation of a child's behavior. And then the final P is it's not perfect. Um, we always like to tell our coaches, don't worry, there's not like secret, perfect, peaceful parenting cams watching your every move. One of the things that I've loved about this journey of parenting my own children in this way is I get to make mistakes too. I don't have to be perfect. And actually in modeling, taking responsibility when I mess up, it's the best way to show our kids to do the same. So peaceful parenting essentially is parenting with compassion, communication, and connection versus fear and control. I think sometimes too, we hear about a new way of parenting and we think it's too late for me. <laughs> My kids are too old. Um, I've got kids that are elementary, middle school age. You have a child going to college. So help reassure us that it's not ever too late to make a little bit of a shift in your parenting strategy. We have grandparents come through our coach certification program who are able to reestablish communication and connection with adult age children. The parent-child dyad is one of the most important and vital relationships that we have in our lives. And so it's never too late. Um, and I think it's always worth it, you know, to do what needs to be done to bring that particular relationship back into trust and connection, I'll even use the word intimacy, I think is so worth it. That's great to know. Thank you for setting that foundation for us. 
You mentioned that a key to peaceful parenting is to stop thinking so much about how we want our kids to behave and instead really examine our own behaviors, expectations, and values as parents. As I feel like we often find in parenting, we have to work on ourselves first before we can really parent our kids in the ways that are most effective. So this can sound a little bit daunting. Okay, before I can even parent my kids, I've got to work on myself. Where do we begin? It's such a great place to start, right? To hold up the mirror and just have enough self-love, I think, to acknowledge that maybe we weren't taught effective communication. Maybe we weren't modeled emotional intelligence. Maybe we don't quite know how to regulate our own nervous system yet. If you think about it, like going back to, you know, ancient times, adults have been saying, these kids these days, they're so this, they're so that, you know, if they would just change their behavior, our lives would be so much easier. And what I love is that I truly believe that we are the generation of adults saying, well, hold on a second. That didn't feel so good when I was a child. And so maybe I'm the one to start to learn to behave differently. And what we hear time and time again, Erin, is that when parents do this work and learn these skills and tools and new ways of feeling and thinking and speaking, children follow along, right? They have something called mirror neurons. They do what we do, not what we say. And that can be so frustrating in parenting, but also so beautiful when it works out well. Uh, as you mentioned in your bio, many parents today learned how they didn't want to parent their own kids from their childhood experiences. How have you been able to make peace with your parenting past and how can other parents do the same? It's important to not look at our childhood and our relationship with our parents through a lens of, this is hard to say, but through guilt, through making them wrong or bad. It is likely that they were simply doing to us what was done to them, which was done to their parents by their parents and so on and so on. And so when we talk about making peace with your parenting past, we're holding the both and, right? We can both acknowledge the pain and harm that we experienced, and we can recognize that most likely our parents loved us and they were doing the best that they could with what they knew and the resources that they had. Making peace with our past allows us to create what we call in coach world a cohesive narrative. So for example, for me, you know, I had a very abusive stepmother. She was physically abusive to my half brother who's seven years younger than me. But what I can see from where I sit now is if that hadn't have happened to my brother and I, all of the tens of thousands of lives that have been impacted by the Jai Institute for Parenting wouldn't have had that resource, right? It, it's inspired me to start this business, to write this book. And so often there's a lot of good, right? Independence, resilience that comes from our childhood stories. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about making peace with it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, just for parents to really be able to think, this was not the way I want to do things, but now I have this new opportunity that I can use 
my experiences to create a better situation for my kids. And it can be hard to get there. I mean, that's a challenging thing to do. It's, let me tell you why it's hard, because I think this takes a lot of the pressure off. We think we should be able to willpower our way through it, Mm -hmm. but we can't because when we're under stress, when we're exhausted, when our kids are pushing our every last button, which they do, we don't have access to willpower. We are operating on conditioned, reactive patterns of behavior that were established for most of us when we were kids ourselves. And so we talk a lot at Jai about doing this work off the mat, right? When you're not in conflict, when it's not stressful, building the muscles of being able to stay calm as a parent, even when everything around us is in chaos, takes time and patience. Otherwise, we end up in this kind of like cycle, right? Where we promise we're going to do better. We try really hard and then we don't follow through. Shame and guilt ensue and around and around we go. Definitely. Let's let's talk about discipline. Mm-hmm. I love this, that your book invites parents to think about discipline in new ways. So walk us through your philosophy around discipline. I mean, it's just a complete reframe of the word from discipline being something that we do to children to discipline being something that we teach children. The real world uh, root of the word discipline is, is disciple, right? To teach, to model, to guide. You don't need to use discipline to get kids to behave, but we want to set them up for success in life by teaching them how to be disciplined human beings. That's so helpful to think of it in a new way. So when it comes to disciplining our kids or just losing our cool in general as parents, you mentioned that cycle, which is so familiar to me. We've all, me included, resorted to the yelling, threatening, bribing, instead of pausing to really communicate with our kids. So first, how do we learn these new communication methods? And then how can we take a step back and rethink our approach, especially in the heat of the moment when we feel ourselves falling into those old habits? In the book, The Peaceful Parenting Revolution, we really talk about the foundations of peaceful parenting. And communication is at the top of that kind of framework. Right, so there are skills that need to be in place before we can become effective communicators. So I'll talk about the foundational skill, which is nervous system regulation. So that is our ability as adults to stay in a calm, cool and collected place, even when we're feeling frustrated or angry or grief. And this is a practice that takes time, but the best really pathway to it is to just what you said, to learn to take that pause, right? Maybe you need to take a time out, right? And leave like, I'm gonna take five minutes and go outside and get some fresh air and then I'll be back. Because if we're not in what in polyvagal theory we call the green zone, right? We're just in that um, energy of connection. We're not gonna be able to control our temper. We're not superhuman, right? We're just people. And so that's foundation number one. And then from there, understanding what's happening from our child's worldview, 
understanding what, what might support them to be successful the next time, right? Do they need an alarm on their phone? Do they need to get more energy out of their body before dinner so that they can sit still at the table? And we can become their partner in creating what we call co-regulation. So children's brains are their little baby brains, right? They're not fully formed yet. And children do not have the ability to regulate themselves until they're into their 20s, actually. And so it's really our job as peaceful parents to become their partner in creating an ethos in the home of success for them so that they can feel more empowered and confident and feel like they're worthy, right? They want to be a part of the family, too. They don't want to feel like they're constantly getting in trouble for being kids. This is all so familiar to me. Okay, so I'm thinking of a specific instance that happened in my household this past weekend. Lay it on me. We're, we're going to a soccer tournament. We've asked the kids three or four times the night before, pack your bag, make sure these things are in your bag. I even have one who will make a list um, because, again, his brain is not fully developed, so he can't remember all the things. Then you get in the car the next morning, and of course they don't have all the things. So instead of resorting to yelling, which I did in the heat of the moment, how can we take a situation like that? Kids, you know, won't put their shoes on any of those typical things that we do every day as a parent and first get ourselves regulated, yeah. handle the situation and then help our kids make better decisions the next time. Also, depending on their age, it's really useful to start using natural consequences as teaching tools, right? If this is a four-year-old that forgot their shoes, that's different than a 12-year-old that forgot their shoes. So the natural consequence of not having your shoes for the game might be that you don't get to play in the game or that you need to go find someone on your team who maybe has another pair. We want to prime our kids to be resourceful, right? All of us are going to mess up. Heck, I forget things like 87,000 times a day. And when I do, I'm solution oriented, right? What's possible? How can I make this right? So peaceful parenting deploys consequences. We're just using the natural consequences that are the outcome of the decisions and choices that our kids make. And those are way more powerful teachers than any lectures, um, you know, punishments that we're going to give them. We're actually teaching them how to operate in the world in a way that makes them responsible and disciplined. I love that. I, I'll be remembering that for this upcoming weekend of soccer games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, there's nothing that teaches kids faster than needing to sit with the consequences of their decisions. And as they get older and older, that becomes more and more important. Because when they go off to college, um, we want to have some confidence that they're going to be able to navigate all of the independence and responsibility that they have now. And the best way to do that is while they're home with us. What about, let's talk about a situation where maybe there aren't necessarily natural consequences. So um, I have a tween in my household and we are... She's in that period where she's really trying to assert her independence. We want to support her in that, but still have to talk to your parents respectfully. Um, 
at least most of the time in our household. So what about that kind of back and forth with parent and child? How do we step out of that to, like you said earlier, think about what is this child going through and what do they need instead of just getting mad and doling out the consequences? I mean, I have a belief that there is always a natural consequence. So when our child speaks to us harshly or in a way that feels disrespectful, there is a consequence. It hurts, right? It makes us feel sad. It makes us maybe even not want to spend, you know, the fun activity that we had planned together um, with them. And so again, we want to save the conversation for off the mat, not in the heat of the moment. But what I've said to my own children in that exact same scenario is, um, you know, hey, last night after dinner, that thing you said hurt. I felt really sad. And I'm curious if we can work on a different way to communicate with each other. Would you be willing to have a do-over with me? Right, so I'm not making them wrong. I'm not making them bad. The consequence is I'm somebody that they love. And sometimes our authentic feelings about the way that our children are teaching us are really important for us, for them, I'm sorry, for them to hear. You know, I think there's this idea that as parents, we're not supposed to be vulnerable with our kids. We're not supposed to let them know that, you know, they have the ability to harm us, but they do. So being honest about it can change things really quickly. I love that. That is so important to consider and such can be such a good teaching moment for our kids and for us too. I've said on this podcast before that the only trouble with teaching our kids that and modeling that is then, at least in my household, they do that back to me. So, you know, when there are times that I've said, I need you to go do your breathing method that you like and take a break and then come back and let's finish talking about this. Well, they'll say that right back to me. Mom, Absolutely. you need to take a break and go breathe. <laughs> it's amazing back. though. I mean, this is when I say, I have chills on the top of my head. When I say let's change the world by changing the way that we parent, what an empowered thing for a preteen child to be able to say, I don't want to raise kids who comply to authority. I don't want to raise kids who feel that their voice doesn't matter. We need our children to be the leaders that are going to go out into the world to speak truth in the face of injustice, to fix the very real problems that we have as humanity. And if we're not showing them that that's safe at home, they're not going to be brave enough to do it outside. So I actually hear that as a major win for you, mom. I have to take take a breath and go, that's really great that my kids can but it comes and I've got to listen. It comes up against all of our cultural conditioning of what respect means. Mm-hmm. Right, it comes up against cultural conditioning of how children are supposed to behave. But that's what's led us to where we are, which is a culture full of people pleasers or bullies. And it doesn't need to be that way. Absolutely, and you're right that our kids need to feel safe first challenging our authority in um, and doing that in ways that are authentic and meaningful. and as kind as they possibly can in the situation. Um, and it can be really hard as the parent to be on the receiving end of that. 
you got to just take a big like yeah i'm just like i'm just gonna let it flow you know <laughs> because we're thinking about you know i talk a lot about shifting the lens from short-term parenting to parenting to the long game right so in short-term parenting it's like what's happening in this moment what you know we got to get out the door well really what our job is as parents is to raise the future adult that is developing and emerging from this child and if we focus that way a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff is way easier to you know let it roll off our backs yes that's absolutely true so as our kids get older um how do we start to balance what we see for their futures what we want and their hopes and dreams and how do we create a household where our kids feel like their dreams are valued, even when they know they may be very different than, than what we had hoped for them? This is why we teach our parenting coaches to focus on values. So I'll give you an example. I was a, a very serious dancer growing up in New York, and I had a career ending injury in college. I was sure that I was going to give birth to the next, you know, Twyla Tharp that was happening. And my mother was a dancer, right? Like this whole thing. And out comes Charlotte, and she was not so interested. And I made me a PowerPoint presentation when she was eight about why she should be allowed to stop taking ballet. And I did my work, right? Because I'm in this world and I thought, well, what is important? Well, what's important for me is that I have a value of moving our bodies, right? In our family, moving our bodies is a life skill. It's important for stress reduction, health, all the things. And so when we have the value, we can have some discernment, right? Is this my dream that I'm trying to put on to my child? Is it, a value where they get some freedom of choice in the way that they execute that value in the world? Or is it unimportant, right, that this idea that we have any voice over our children's choices is different than the voice that we have in teaching them what's important to us in our families? Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think it, it's so hard to step back from that mm -hmm. and to have that level of discernment to say, is this something that they could do a little bit differently than I would have chosen for them? And we still learn the same value. We still get to the same place. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, especially when combined with older kids who really are supposed to be pulling away from us, that can feel really hard for parents. Again, it's all of these ideas about the role of children and the role of parents. I don't know about you, Erin, but I have so many friends who became doctors because their parents were doctors or became attorneys because their parents were attorneys and they felt a tremendous amount of pressure and obligation to follow in those footsteps. And lo and behold, they were miserable. You know, they ended up in a career that wasn't their passion, that felt like you know they'd invested all this time and money and they felt stuck and i think that we can do better right education can be a value 
how our children choose to deploy their creative capacity into that value is theirs to own. And then they get something amazing, which is autonomy over their lives. And maybe they get to have careers that they love, you know, that are suited to their nature and their passion and their interests versus sacrificing time for money, like so many of us were trained to do. It's a hard shift, I think, for, for parents, but when we kind of pull ourselves out of it and take our own emotions out of it, it makes so much sense that that is what we want for our kids. I think, you know, this is another area where part of the reason it's hard to make that shift is because of what our kids are seeing and what we're seeing and feeling in society. I'm thinking of school in particular, where we've got to take all of these tests, we've got to get the right grades to do this and that. And I know my kiddos are already feeling that pressure, even though at home, we make it very clear. We expect you to put in the work and we expect you to try your best. We don't care what your grades are. We don't care how you do on the test. And as our kids get older too, infusing that message with there are just days that you're not going to do great. You're not going to feel great. You're going to have other things going on. And that's what happens in the real world too. So how do we kind of take this position as parents and families when that's not, our kids are kind of experiencing the opposite out in the world? Yeah, we provide balance, exactly what you just said. So these pressures that are coming at our kids from school, from social media, from television, are a force and they are getting it from all angles. And I think that this is a huge reason that it's worthwhile to ensure that as parents, we're creating at least a soft landing place for them to come to when they're feeling that way, where they can talk about it, where they can you know, express the pressure that they're feeling. And we can say, hey, honey, you know what? Good enough is good enough. And just like you said, like some days you're going to have more and some days you're going to have less. And what are you feeling proud of today? Um, it's that we talk a lot about safe harbor, right? That we're kind of this safe harbor, especially as kids get older and their ships are going to go farther and they're going to encounter turbulent seas, but they've always got a home base to come to where they know that they're going to be heard and seen and respected and given guidance that they trust from the people who love them the most. I think we forget that, um, that we do have a lot of power in what happens in our homes and what we say to our kids, even if there are lots of other forces kind of working against us. Um, and even if it doesn't always seem like it, they do hear the things that we say. They do. And I think it, it helps to evolve their leadership, right? When when my kids experienced something, uh, they went to a Montessori school through eighth grade, but then moved to public high school. And it was like, oh my gosh, they had landed on another planet where they did not speak the language. It was a really challenging time, especially for my son. And, you know, in him coming home and sharing that heartbreak and sharing how isolated he felt, I was able to get underneath the support that he needed for his mental health. If we had not had that, you know, kind of trust established before he made that move, the repercussions, quite frankly, could have been terrifying. And so trust is our most valuable asset 
with our kids, especially as they get older, so that they run to us and not away from us when things get hard. And that listening is so important. I um, I'm not always great at that, but I often try to remind myself, talk less. <laughs> they don't always need the lecture. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen. Yeah, it's really, you know, there's some great little phrases, right? Like, just like, mm. <laughs> tell me more. What was that like for you? You know, if we can just give our kids like 10 minutes of that kind of presence and curiosity a day, it, it really makes it, you know, like we're all going to yell sometimes. We're all going to have bad days. It's human. But if we can balance that out with what we were just talking about, it goes such a long way. It really, really does. And that's such a good affirmation for parents too. We are not going to get this perfectly all the time, but if we can work toward that balance, um, then I think we're winning at, at parenting. I don't even think we'd want to get it perfect. You know, I think that being a person who's willing to take responsibility for your mistakes to create what we call repair, right? Both for ourselves to forgive ourselves, for our errors or our mistakes or our bad moments. And then to ask for forgiveness in a meaningful way from children, even though they're children, that's life changing. It changes everything. That is so, so powerful. As we close out our conversation today, Kiva, what is the number one thing parents can begin to do a little differently starting today to bring about more peace in our households? I would just invite our viewers to consider how you might start to take the pressure off your kids just a little bit to change their behavior and maybe just have a little crack of an opening into looking what might get to shift in yours just as a playful exercise. Um, because it's it's really life changing. And I will say that the reason that we train parenting coaches at the Jai Institute for Parenting instead of just, you know, having a peaceful parenting course is this is hard stuff. It does take accountability and support and guidance. And so if you're wanting more um, at our website in the upper right hand corner, there's a directory of our coaches who are literally all over the world and you can find uh, people to help. And give us that website. Jai, J-A-I, Institute for Parenting.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kiva, for all of the affirmation and empowerment that you have given me and all of our parent listeners today. This has been incredibly helpful. Such a great uh, time to be here. Thanks, Erin. I feel more peaceful already. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, find more presentations by nationally renowned parenting experts like Kiva through membership in the Modern Art of Parenting. Visit modernartofparenting.com to learn more about memberships, which are just $19 a month or $199 for the year with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.